Sairam dear listeners welcome to today's afternoon satsang today we shall be continuing with the sweet and nectarous story of lord sri rama as narrated by our dear sairama last week we had reached the himalayas along with hanuman and we saw how hanuman lifts the sanjeevani mountain in order to take it to lakshmana who is unconscious and is in need of medicines there so many interesting things happen during his flight we shall come to all those exciting things as well as the continuation of the war that takes place and the mighty generals being vanquished on ravana's side all these exciting things will follow but as is the practice that we follow and the practice that is followed in all the ramakatha satsangs we shall begin our satsang by taking the sweet name of lord sri rama by contemplating on that beautiful ajanubahu form along with lord hanuman who is present wherever the ramakatha is sung shri raghavam दशरथात्मजमे सीतापति रघुकुलामयरत्नदीप when uh, we were discussing about the ramayana this part of the ramayana we apart from speaking about uh, the story as such i think we had the opportunity to speak about the hanuman statue because we were in that very point in the story of the ramayana where hanuman is going in search of the sanjeevani uh, uh, herb to the dronagiri uh, mountains and he's picked up the entire mountain because he's not too sure whether there would be a need for anything else 
uh, apart from this herb and as we can see in the story actually there was there was a need for much more than just that one herb we'll come to the details of that so he's picked up this entire mountain and he is in much of a hurry proceeding towards uh, lanka but just probably as that first leap to lanka where he had three types of hurdles in his uh, you know in his uh, journey where swami would say that there was a satvik hurdle a tamasic hurdle and a rajasic hurdle even in this journey back to lanka i think he's now coming across what you could uh, refer to as a satvik hurdle because that is the next person who is not with a bad intention stalls his progress absolutely and uh, there is no doubts as to whether it's a satvik or rajasic hurdle because once we know the name of the person we realize that it has to be a satvik hurdle what happens is when hanuman is flying from the himalayas to the southern tip of india he has to pass through the kingdom of ayodhya and though it is not exactly the capital city that he is passing over we know that the current ruler of ayodhya which is bharata is not staying in the capital city he is staying somewhere in the outskirts right. he has set up a little hermitage and he has taken a vow to lead a life as humble and as ascetic as the place called nandigram nandigram as his elder 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 brother uh, eldest brother rama and so now you know as bharata is engaged in his penance and his austerities and he's doing everything of course he's ruling the kingdom but he's ruling it with the firm conviction that he is but an instrument a puppet in the hands of his lord rama because on the throne sit the footwear of lord sri rama it is like the lotus feet of lord rama are ruling the kingdom and i am just a servant of the lotus feet executing the decisions that have been taken by the lord with that attitude it is that uh, bharata is ruling the kingdom it's a beautiful attitude you know before we go into the story i just feel prem that this is some at- this is an attitude that we should all try to imbibe because irrespective of whatever we have in our life all of us have been blessed in different ways some have been blessed with possibly wealth some have been blessed with health some have been blessed with uh, influence some have been blessed with skill some have been blessed with talents or a combination of these in some way or the other all of us have been blessed just like bharata was blessed with the kingdom of ayodhya but i feel we should take on this attitude of bharata and realize that all these actually belong to the lord and we have to sanctify these by using them as the lord wills i think that is the only way we too will be able to sanctify our lives like bharata and as we shall see later on see swami narrates how when rama returned to the kingdom people were confused as to who is rama who is bharata we'll go into the details of that story later but bharata began to look like rama because he was constantly engaged in the contemplation of rama using all the gifts and whatever had he had been blessed with in service of rama he never considered the kingdom as his own he, he knew that it is rama's kingdom i am just temporarily ruling it over all the wealth that is there is rama's wealth i am temporarily holding it with that attitude he did that and he became literally one with rama since our life objective also is to become one with sai we also want mergence in our merger in our lord we want to become realize the true purpose of our lives 
I feel therefore we should follow the successful example of Bharata and do what he did, which is realize that all our skills, all our resources, all our wealth, all our whatever we have as our treasures, they are not actually ours. They belong to the Lord. They should be used for the Lord. They have just been entrusted and we are just trustees of all these. Right. In fact, it's a it's a concept which is there in all cultures, I think. In the West, mm. uh, they call it the brother's keeper. You know, they say that you are the brother's keeper in the sense that uh, there is somebody who does not have the wealth. The wealth has been given to you to keep it for him and, you know, give it to that person in the form that he needs it in the time when he needs it. Uh-huh, so interesting. It's, it's a concept called brother's keeper. In fact, uh, Ramakrishna Paramahamsa speaks about this in the form of a short story. You know, hmm. he say that there is a rich father and he has two sons. One is a responsible son and the other is a younger one who is a little careless. So when the property is being uh, distributed, the father will give more money to the one who is more responsible. Okay. With the idea that he will help the younger son when he is in need. Hmm. Now, if there is equality shown at the time of division, then he might actually be doing a disservice to the younger one who is not... Uh, who will squander, who it, squander it away. So more is given to the responsible one so that he will be able to uh, take care of it. And it's a clear idea of trusteeship. It's not like all of this is yours. It is like it is given to your care so that you will be able to put it to good use, you know, when that uh, need comes. And uh, in fact, uh, last week we were going through a discourse in which mm. Swami gives a very beautiful explanation for that verse, which uh, we've heard many times from Swami, mm. uh, where Swami speaks about the importance of tyaga, like no, na karma na na prajaya. Dhani na tyaga na ke. Amritatva manushu. Swami says that, you know, that word he plays with, dhani na tyaga na ke. Okay. Hmm. Swami says it is not not through wealth but through tyaga. Swami says dhane na tyaga. tyaga. Also by the sacrifice, the sacrifice of, wealth. of wealth. And Swami says what is dana? Knowledge is dana. Strength is dana. Time is dana. Then your energy. wealth is dana. Energy is dana. So when you do a sacrifice of all of this for the benefit of others, that is the way you will reach, you know, uh, the goal or amritatvam. It's no surprise that. In due course of time, Bharata is going to attain that very Amritatvam, Amritatvam, that which Lakshmana attained by worshipping Rama incessantly. In the complete absence of Rama also, Bharata attained the same. That is another reason why Bharata is an inspiration for us because in our current times, we feel that we are in the situation of Bharata. We are not in the situation of Lakshmana where we had the physical form of the Lord to serve. Swami has often made this comparison also in discourses saying that one is a Savikalpa Bhakti, one is a Sakara Bhakti, one is a Nirakara Bhakti. One is the uh, devotion to the form, one is the devotion to the same Lord, but where the form doesn't exist, that is Nirakara. So both are equally powerful, both are equally potent and I think we are forced to choose the latter, that is Bharata's mode because possibly till we evolve to a little higher level we are lost to that form of devotion where we can serve the physical form of the Lord and so therefore Bharata becomes an inspiration to all of us and this Bharata was now seated there carrying out his austerities and Hanuman is hurrying back because I don't know if we made a mention of this uh, last week Swami doesn't mention it in the Ramkatha Rasavahini as such, though he mentions it subtly, uh, there was this condition that before sun sunbreak, right. I mean before it uh, before dawn breaks, right. the medicines have to be 
administered administered to lakshmana else it is too it will be too late all will be lost i say that uh, swami refers to this subtly because um, swami writes about how rama is lamenting and saying that oh god it's almost past midnight and hanuman has still not come what will happen will i lose lakshmana forever you know that kind of lamentation shows that there is some kind of a time bound thing also otherwise rama could have coolly said no problem let hanuman take his own time whenever he comes it will be fine i know it's not that he is also worried about time so there was this condition and because of which hanuman is now hurrying he is rushing he knows that before the sun rises he has to reach uh, the shores of lanka so he is in a hurry and you can just imagine a uh, hanuman carrying that magnificent mountain in a tearing hurry you can think of how uh the shadow would have been cast on the ground so i have seen once you know uh, when i was near this place in bangalore there was this plane landing mm-hmm. and i was very close and when the plane comes you know at a great height it looks like it's traveling very slow because of the height once it comes close to the ground you get a idea of the speed and you know the shadow it just scares you almost when it passes by and you're not expecting it mm-hmm. it comes like one huge uh, thing on the ground and suddenly becomes dark so that is the kind of effect impact that bharata experiences when hanuman is flying and so he thinks that this is possibly a rakshasa now an aeroplane itself casts such a big shadow imagine that whole mountain and since the shadow is zooming bharata gets a feeling that something huge is being hurled <laughs> at ayodhya so just like we have anti aircraft missiles <laughs> anti anti uh, missiles which bring down other missiles instantly intuitively bharata strings his bow with the arrow and shoots it at this object that is hurtling towards ayodhya and he is happy that he has done his duty and in protecting ayodhya but this happiness is short lived because the moment the arrow goes and strikes its mark Lakshman uh, Bharata hears the loud call of Hanuman where Hanuman says Rama Rama and instantly Bharata knows that oh my god i think i have done something wrong and Hanuman comes crashing and crashes at where Bharata is along with this huge mountain right and even as you are saying about those missiles i don't know why i was reminded of the article which you wrote recently because uh you know as children we got accustomed to some of these terms because of that gulf war right huh. we used to call them sams surface to air missiles and that were extensively deployed during this gulf war and right reminded me of the uh, beautiful story that you'd written but uh, yeah coming back to the story of bharata shooting down uh, hanuman mm-hmm. right that's what he does he, swami says that he's standing in the balcony and is uh, you know the whether bharata was really like that or not of course he must have been like that because swami is written like that but whenever swami describes swami does not uh, you know dilute that image even a bit hmm. even now swami says that he is standing in the balcony and he is thinking about rama lakshmana and sita he does not swami does not say that you know he is sitting and meditating or he is uh, engaged in some other task his meditation is only this right he is sitting there and he is he is all the time thinking about uh, rama and you know what will be the difficulties they must be undergoing and uh, it must have really been a surprise he shoots the arrow and here is he hears a, a cry in the, name of, in the name of rama and he ro- goes there and he finds hanuman fallen uh, injured by the arrow that he had uh, you know so unknowingly shot didn't know what it was and then hanuman 
you know, describes what is the mission he's on and he starts saying that this is what has happened and Rama is in Lanka in, in the middle of a war and the next thing what Swami writes is so beautiful because after this Bharata is so remorseful and he says that because he feels that I have impeded, impeded somebody right. and you know first of all he is uh, in such a hurry and he is right I mean the worst thing you could do to Hanuman he has done it there and so Bharata stands there and says that if I have really been truthful to my devotion to Rama if I have really thought of him all the while and if I really you know, wanted that he should come back and rule this thing if my love and devotion to Rama is true this messenger of Rama should be revived to the health before I shot him down Mm. And Swami says that miraculously Hanuman, uh, you know, all his injuries disappear. Injuries disappear, and he regains his health. I, I feel that you know this entire episode, we have not yet completed narrating it, but it has been placed here with a purpose because you see Hanuman, not a hair on his body had been singed when his tail was set on fire in Lanka, Kalanemi and. And other demons of great power, that crocodile in that water, couldn't touch him. You know, nothing could happen. Even the Brahmastra couldn't touch him. It only managed to just bind him with a rope. It couldn't harm him in any manner. How could one impulsively shot arrow, you know, in quotes, it's an impulsively shot arrow, bring down Hanuman? It just shows that Hanuman's vulnerability or Hanuman's strength both are nothing but the will of Lord Sri Rama. And I am sure that Hanuman sitting here will be nodding his head vigorously, saying that I am, I have nothing of my own. See, last week we spoke about Hanuman's great prowess and great strength. But when we see this, we realize that his great strength and prowess is because of just his complete faith and surrender to Rama. Rama chooses what he wants. If Rama chooses, Hanuman falls down to an arrow. When Rama chooses, nothing in the universe even touches the hair on Hanuman's body. That is the kind. And I think it is just to show this. Show, you know, I almost can sense Hanuman jumping up here and saying, see, this is what I am saying. There is nothing great about me. It's all Lord Sri Rama. That is the quality of a true devotee. And I feel that this is another lesson for all of us in our lives because it is true that things seem to be happening amazing you know we feel that we are yes we are responsible for some success we have done something fantastic we have done something phenomenal and everything points out to it yes we give credit to Swami but I feel many times we do it out of habit and out of practice do we actually realize that Swami could have done this through anybody or anything else it's just that he chose he chose to do it on this occasion through me for example if, if there is some victory that I have attained, though I may credit it to Swami, in my heart, no, I have that feeling, I must confess, I have this feeling that, yeah, you know, Swami did it, but Swami did it because, you know, guess what, I was also a very deserving guy, you know, <laughs> possibly Swami couldn't have done it as effectively through somebody else, it is not true, I may be deserving, but my deserving or not deserving doesn't decide the success of the Lord's mission. He can do the same thing through anything, through anybody, through a monkey. Actually, Hanuman is a monkey. So, I feel that subtle ego also that I carry sometimes, I must give it up. Because it is not as if the Lord is choosing to do it through me because I am deserving. Deserving is a separate part. 
the lord decided to do through me that's why i'm doing and my deserving doesn't increase or decrease my capability to do what the lord wills me to do i feel that is another thing to learn from the fact that an arrow could bring down hanuman and i think talking about arrows it's, it's like this let's say that i know rama is uh, in the middle of the battle there is an arrow which he has already shot which probably has killed one of the rakshasas there is an arrow which is in his you know bow ready to be shot and there are arrows in his quiver from the point of view of just observation i mean all three are just arrows in you know in readiness for rama's use but if we say that oh that arrow which shot down that rakshasa you know it's killed a rakshasa and that's a better arrow and this arrow it's pointed at a rakshasa and so this is a you know in preparedness yeah. the second best arrow and the one which is lying in the quiver has not done anything till now uh-huh. so actually speaking from the point of view of rama i mean all of those are instruments and it's just that he has shot one he is about to shoot one and one is ready to be shot i think as devotees what we can do is you know as the discussion which we had about uh, the contribution of the vanaras the contribution of hanuman and the contribution of the squirrel i think what we can do as devotees is just to be ready that readiness is all that we can offer to swami and readiness and that availability yes swami i am here if today you want to shoot an arrow the arrow is there in front of you and it does not matter if the arrow is shot at a you know target or it's ta- shot at a tree or it's just shot into uh, darkness it doesn't matter at all and i think it's just that readiness which we can offer and for that readiness i think we need to prepare ourselves be sharp be pointed be fit for any task that the lord chooses to entrust us with i think that's beautifully sums up as to how we should live our life in readiness so now here hanuman narrates all this and as you said bharata is very remorseful he's feeling very bad and it's amazing how again see this is another proof another uh, instance that swami narrates to show how pure and steadfast bharata has been because the instant he says that if my love and devotion for rama is true let this monkey be healed i mean let hanuman be healed this instant that exactly what happens hanuman becomes instantly healed and he then tells to bharata the gravity and the, of the situation he says that lakshmana has fallen and he instantly needs this before sunrise so i think uh, bharata looks out at the sky he knows that it's going to be sunrise any moment so he tells hanuman to take off as fast as possible in the meanwhile bharata also goes and conveys this news as hanuman takes off with the uh, dronagiri mountain with the uh, mountain having Sanjeev, these herbs right. yeah bharata rushes back to the palace and conveys all that has happened to to the queens to everybody there and i think this is another beautiful episode that is often uh, missed in the traditional ramayana that swami has so beautifully captured swami would always say that though sita is the only woman spoken about so highly in the ramayana the other women that is kaikeyi we have seen how swami has resurrected the character of kaikeyi urmila and even sumitra swami would often glorify her as sumitra meaning a good friend a true friend a true friend swami says is one who takes you towards god and sumitra was a true friend to both her children because she constantly goaded them to be of service to rama who is the lord sumitra's reaction over here is again amazing and worth uh, reliving right in fact she is the one who is supposed to be most uh, worried about the news that comes through bharata because he comes and says that 
this is what happened apparently there's a war going on sita has been abducted and in the war lakshmana is fatally wounded her son right and uh, swami said that for a moment she is you know uh, sad listening to the news but immediately she says you know what more can my son aspire for and as a mother what more can i wish for my son you know he is ready to die for rama and that's what i really sent him there for i really wanted him to live and die for rama and that's precisely what is happening and he says uh, and the the next thought she gets is what will be rama's pl- uh, plight right now mm. you know because he will be so uh, depressed with what has happened to lakshmana and he might be demotivated so she said that shatrugna you go and you know stand by rama's side and take lakshmana's place you know? that is really amazing you know you just lost one son to to whatever disaster that is and uh, your reaction is to send another son to the same disaster the only thing that is beautiful that makes it so beautiful is that it is not a disaster there it is the service of lord rama we uh, this this is very moving for me personally because you know we come across so many uh, families at least i have come across a few families where you know one son uh, is like uh, physically dedicated to swami in the sense that is serving in the institutions here or has chosen to work more for the organization uh, pursue the career less or something like that so uh, the family often makes it like a kind of you know uh, a division see one son anyway is doing this no so no this son can stay for us you know it's 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 like that see one son of mine is working for swami is doing this so why should now you also do you you can stay and now work okay one is we have it's almost <laughs> like i have done my bit for swami's work now let others contribute i have contributed one child one out of three or maybe two out of three in such a scenario i'm not saying all are like i'm saying there are some who think like this it's like allocating of resources we have spent this much on this so now enough we'll spend on other things like that one son has one child has been offered to swami for all spiritual really all good work yeah he'll redeem the family <laughs> let this redeem materially that's the kind of uh, attitude and thinking we do we do kind of portfolio allocation budgeting but this is amazing this is true surrender where everything that you have what we spoke highly of bharata doing same thing sumitra is doing everything that she has her greatest treasures are bharata uh, lakshmana and shatrugna they are her greatest strengths her greatest treasures without thinking for a moment also she gave up lakshmana and now lakshmana is gone and her next in the instantaneous thought that comes is lakshmana is gone now let me send shatrugna to the lord this is simply superb mind blowing do as a story we listen and we just admire if we think of it practically think of the repercussions this is phenomenal devotion for the lord phenomenal love for the lord even if we imbibe one percent of that it will be a great addition into our lives whenever you listen to the story of ramayana of course we uh, we read the story of the ramayana we narrate the story of the ramayana with the completely clear idea that rama is god but if you remove that idea and you're just looking at a family you know here is a family the elder son is there and he's in problem there's a younger son help, helping him the third son probably it's not uh, a way of looking at it as devotion but i think in many of these stories especially when related to the avatar we've seen that in swami's time i think these are you know the fructification of the soul's yearning you know at some time uh, as a devotee sumitra would have pined for this chance to be of service to rama as a as a soul lakshmana and shatrugna would have pined for this opportunity 
and i think when a, when an avatar comes situations come like that you know probably it's as a family probably it's in the form of a you know a neighbor we've seen swami's classmates uh, you know offering that, that kind of devotion to him just as a friend you know probably they did not look up to swami as oh here is the avatar of the age and we are devoted to him mm-hmm. just as that fondness which exists between two classmates we've seen uh, it's story of ramesh and uh, paresh swami would narrate but in the bigger scheme of things i think it was just that a devotee getting an opportunity to express devotion to the lord probably in the garb of a, a classmate probably here in the in the garb of a stepmother but it's all the time it's just that devotion which you can play out and that's why ramayana is you know if you take out that idea that here is rama has got probably you will see it like a regular family uh, you know affair <laughs> <laughs> so when sumitra makes his offer actually shatrughna is ready to leave and go that is when bharata reminds shatrughna and possibly even sumitra that this is not what rama wanted see when we love rama it's one thing that we do to rama what we feel is good for him but when that clashes with what rama has told us to do i think we have to listen to rama and i think that is another rule for us when it comes to our swami also yeah out of our love for swami we wish to do so many things for him but when what we wish to do for him comes in contradiction comes in clashing with what swami has told us to do i think we should be selfless we should not be selfish and say that this is what i want to do for you this is my love for you no we have to let go of that and greater love lies in we doing what our lord wants us to do see that is the reason why bharata stayed back right when we go back to that i think we had the discussion on prema versus dharma right in that debate the uh, king janaka who is the most just rules that dharma can never match prema prema is superior prema is the most supreme so prema wins and bharata is so happy he selling so rama either you return to ayodhya or i have to come with you because prema wins but then king janaka says but prema it also has its own dharma and what is the dharma of prema means without see it's like the dharma of fire is to be hot if it's not hot it's not fire at all so to define it as fire it has to follow the dharma of being hot in the same way he says prema also has its own dharma without following which prema is not prema at all it is something else it is just desire or liking maybe and what is the dharma of prema to place the priorities of the one whom you love above everything else so now see this is a very interesting thing janaka says to bharata that if this has to qualify as prema you have to follow prema dharma which is do what rama wants and so rama says i want you to return and rule on my behalf and he gives the sandals that what happens so that is why though bharata wanted to do so many things he just let go of all that only because he wants to do what rama told him to do i feel that is another lesson because in our love for swami we want to do so many things for him we want to do this we want to do that many times not many times sometimes it may so happen that what we wish to do in our love and enthusiasm for swami may not be in line with what swami wants us to do or what swami has told us to do i think at such times we should not be selfish we should not be so narrow minded we should give up what we desire for what the lord wants and that is what bharata tells he tells chatrugna that see rama wanted us to stay here and rule ayodhya irrespective of what happens there it's almost like though bharata doesn't state it and though swami doesn't write it it's almost like even if rama loses the war there i can't go and help him because rama has told me to stay here and rule 
This is what we are supposed to do. This is what Bharata reminds Shatrugna. And that is how Shatrugna also agrees. And that is why Shatrugna doesn't go immediately. Because otherwise his mother has already commanded him. Told him to go and replace Lakshmana if need be. If Lakshmana is not revived, you go. Shatrugna stand in place of Lakshmana and fight by Rama's side. But because Bharata reminds them of this, Shatrugna stays back. And so things go back to status quo. That is Ayodhya is back to how it was. And Hanuman is back to his journey. He is flying across. Everything remains the same. And that's why I feel this whole episode was conjured by the Lord just to teach us humanity in the years to come of so many important lessons that lie embedded there. True. And I think uh, another reason must have been for uh, giving some kind of information to people at Ayodhya and Bharata because there is no other way he would have known that such a thing was happening and they would have been completely in the dark. But just going back to that discussion which you said about Bharata and you know the the conflict between Prema and Dharma, hmm. I think uh, one of the reasons why that episode stands out is there was an exhibition of Prema from the height from the side of uh, Bharata, where you know because many times when you when even when we speak about Swami, Swami will have his first concern about you. You know, when, especially when he would you know, give you some command, there will always be some concern about you. And when you want to do something for Swami, you will have to push your way, actually, mm-hmm. to an extent. I, I remember one of our lecturers were telling once, when they had completed their studies and they were waiting for Swami to guide them, mm-hmm. Swami would constantly come and tell them, no, no, you go and take care of your family, you get married, settle down. And it's almost like Swami was giving them a pleasing option, saying that, you know, I don't want you to give up all of your ambitions and joys and come and, you know, work for me. So at one point, uh, you know, his family started asking him, see, you want, you want Swami to tell you what you want to do. Mm. And here is Swami telling you what you have to do. Why are you not obeying him? And for that, you know, this lecturer uh, gave, the, the reply that he gave them then was this. See, the chance to serve Swami is an opportunity we have. Okay, and that is an opportunity and you have to show to Swami and to yourself. In fact, you are actually conveying it to your own mind that this is an opportunity I value above everything else. Mm. So you have to really push your way and tell Swami, no Swami, I want this. I desperately want this. But if it is not in your, you know, it's not beneficial for you, then Swami will put his foot down and say, no, this is not the right thing for you. Hmm. You have to, this is my command. I think that's what happened in that episode between Bharata and, uh, you know, Rama. Where Bharata did everything to convey to Rama and to himself that, look, I don't want to rule. I don't want to, I have no ambitions. I want to serve Rama. And after that, when Rama made it very clear that, look, this is my command and I want you to follow my command. Then, you know, Bharata says, fine, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And I think that's a reflection of that which is coming in this episode too. Where Bharata is saying that, yeah, I would love to even, you know, uh, probably get onto that same mountain and get transported to to Lanka and fight by the side of Rama. But once Rama has made it clear that this is my role, then I stick to it. Come what may. I think Prem will take a little break over here because uh, from here, another part of the story opens up. Hanuman's flight back to Lanka and the war that continues over there. So dear listeners, don't go away anywhere. We'll be back to resume the story after this little break.
राम हरे Hanuman is now flying across the Indian subcontinent with the mountain in his hand and even as he is flying he notices that it's almost sun rising time which is surprising because he seems to have made good ground it's quite early it's not the time for the sun to rise and yet the sun seems to be rising that is when he is able to realize what has happened Uh, the sun god is also uh, beholden to ravana he is also a part of his kingdom and uh, ravana has commanded surya devata the sun god to rise earlier than scheduled because 
Ravana also knows. I think uh, Meghnatha or Indrajit, his son must have told him that Lakshmana is unconscious and Meghnatha tried to carry him also but he was not able to carry him. Uh, so, Ravana has also received the news that Sushena, the physician, has gone there to tend on Lakshmana and he also has got this update from his spies that before the sunrise, if it's not uh, given to him, Lakshmana may not survive. So, all this Ravana knows and because of that he's taking steps in every way. He has already taken steps to slow down Hanuman, thwart him or stop him. Now that has failed because Kalanemi was unsuccessful. Now he is trying the other way. If I can't slow down Hanuman, I'll speed up the sunrise. <laughs> and so he has told the sun god to rise. And Hanuman first makes a prayer. He says to the sun god, to Surya, that please don't rise now. You know, I've got a mission to complete. I'm on the Lord's mission. So please hold on. But Surya says that I can't do anything. I have received the command from my master and I am supposed to rise. So when Hanuman realized that Surya is not ready to bend, he is not ready to agree, he just, the story goes that, this is not there in the Ramkatha Raswaini, but this is a nice story, popular story that is told in the Ramayana, that Hanuman takes Surya, the sun god, and holds him under his armpit. And says that till Hanuman, till Lakshmana has administered the medicine, I am not going to allow you to rise. And uh, Hanuman then continues on his journey. This is another episode that shows that not, no force in the world, no force in the universe can come against the Lord's wishes. Because here we see even the sun which is being commanded by a very powerful force, evil force of Ravana is also helpless and Hanuman, the same monkey who was fallen by one little arrow, is now able to hold the sun in his armpit and fly across without allowing it to rise. And in all of these stories, uh, be it from the Ramayana or Hanuman uh, or from the Mahabharat, one constant theme which will be given is, you know, especially when there are two forces fighting against each other, let's say one is righteous but weak, the other is unrighteous but very powerful you know god steps in and makes up for that difference in in uh, you know in equality whatever it is and in fact that is one of the things which is uh, i think swami says in one of the discourses about the fight between vali and sugriva right you know swami says that yeah vali is very very mighty very powerful and here is sugriva who is noble in fact you know when he found that uh, vali is uh, probably killed by the demon he did dharmically what a person would have done in that place as a younger brother and you know, gives respect to his uh, sister-in-law who is widowed gives her the place of honor and then see runs the kingdom in the way a uh, rightful uh, a just ruler should do and that dharmic nature of sugriva has drawn rama to him and rama has offset whatever is that difference between you know sugriva and vali in the might and you know in the story it might appear like rama is being uh, you know, what he has done is not right. He shot from behind the arrow. I mean, all of that you can talk about it. But in the bigger scheme of things, Swami says that here is Sugriva who is right but who is weak. So Rama steps in to make up for that lack of energy. And same is the case, you know, in the Mahabharata, so many times you would see, you know, talking about Surya, the same thing happens about Karna too. You know, in many ways he is actually having an upper hand. He's got a, you know, whatever you call that. Protection, uh, protection extra protection sheath around but his body. Krishna steps in and ensures that all of that is offset by his presence because 
the forces which he is allying with is righteous. They can't do anything which is unrighteous. He says, okay, you can continue to be righteous. I'll step in and I'll do what is necessary. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very heartening thought because if we are righteous, the Lord steps in by our side. The the beauty of the human mind or rather the uh, what's wrong with the human mind is that I remember having a discussion with, uh, uh, you know, I think it was a study circle where invariably everybody was saying that, but, you know, Krishna allowed people to lie. Krishna allowed people to do other hermic things. So we can do. Hey, it's not that, it's not that, that's not the message we take away from it. The very idea that Krishna was drawn to them was because they were so sworn to dharma. We are not ready to see that part of it and stick to dharma. Mm. But we are ready to take the other side of the uh, story saying that Krishna permitted Arjuna to tell a lie. Krishna asked Yudhishthira to tell a lie, so we can tell a lie. <laughs> right. Without him asking also. Right, and without you actually achieving that state of uh, righteousness. You, you, you know what a, a foolish statement that is. See, Krishna asked him to tell a lie and he told a lie. The Lord has asked us to do so many things. We don't do that. We flout it. We don't do it. And we say that since the Lord asked somebody else to do this, I will that do is that. convenient <laughs> for me, so I will do that. Mm. See, this is absolute rubbish argument. You know, it is so foolish and it is not worth even to speak to. I feel if somebody comes up with this argument and talks to me, what I will do is just keep quiet and say, you go ahead and do it. Because you know what, your karma will take care. I need not do anything. Like they say, if somebody does bad to you, don't do anything. Just leave it because karma will take care and if you are lucky, when it is taking care of them, it will also allow you to watch it. <laughs> so, there is a joke which I, you know, which when the first time when I heard it, I felt that it's so apt with what we do with our uh, judgments with people around Swami and all that, you know. Mm. There is this man who is, you know, gets a job and all that and always his ambition has been to buy a BMW car. Mm. He always has that ambition. One day I want to earn and save enough to buy a BMW car. Mm. So he fixes a particular date and he says by this date or this year, I have to get my car. Hmm. So he starts slogging, he works so hard, takes two jobs and saves and you know, lives a very austere life. All with the idea that one day I am going to buy, go and buy this car. Then finally the day comes and he's made all his uh, inquiries and he's saved enough money accordingly. But on the day when he goes to buy this car, apparently the price has gone up by, you know, of course it's a fictional story. So it goes up by a few hundred rupees, or let's say a hundred rupees. Hmm. So that day he's gone with all the cash in his hand. And he finds that the car is expensive by 100 rupees more than what he has you know, taken to the store. And that's the day he has decided to buy it. So he doesn't know what to do. And he probably he doesn't have the time to go back and get that money or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he walks across the road and there's a beggar on that you know, pavement there. So he desperately goes to the beggar and says, can you please give me 100 rupees? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you please loan me 100 rupees? So he says, why do you want 100 rupees? You look like a man who is pretty well off. So he says, no, you see that showroom across the road, that BMW showroom, I want to buy a car, please give me 100 rupees. Mm-hmm. So this beggar, no, very casually, he picks out 200 rupees and gives it to him and says, get one for me also. <laughs> <laughs> you know, completely forgetting all that effort which has gone into making that rest of the money and that 100 rupees which he was asking for, you know, that's what we do when we judge Swami. You know, there is somebody whom Swami goes and probably uh, helps a little or gives that little bit of push which they need and we wonder why is Swami not giving me the push we don't see that effort which has gone into that you know entire what has gone in the background Mm. which has drawn that Swami's uh, guidance to them but we sit and you know sit in judgment and say that why is Swami not giving me that uh, push and that encouragement 
really wonderful thought for us to ponder about hanuman then arrives at uh, the lankan base and you know in the meanwhile one important episode takes place uh, we forgot i forgot that so even as hanuman is flying on the other side this uh, sunrise that i was talking about which hanuman prevents by holding the sun under the armpit i think that is noticed to an extent by rama also because rama there as swami writes he begins to act human and he is now despondent swami makes it very clear that Han- rama chooses to show depression when he had, he has no trace of sorrow then if that is the case why should he do so that also serves a purpose as we shall see because as rama laments it is less of a lamentation it is more of bringing out the virtues and the sterling qualities of his brother lakshmana that is what rama is doing through his lamentation because he says oh lakshmana i don't i am not able to stay like this because i am not accustomed to staying even one moment without your beautiful service without your loving and sweet glance being cast on me every moment of my life for these 14 years i've got used to that and now for 14 hours i've been missing it and i'm not able to live without it i'm i'm wanting that back you know when you see on the surface it feels like rama is so selfish for 14 years he has got so much of service and he's not able to live without it for 14 hours and he's wanting that back again but if we look a little deeper we realize this is rama's beautiful and poetic manner of bringing out the kind of service that lakshmana has done to him and offering his gratitude to lakshmana so rama is lamenting like this continuously he is saying oh lakshmana will you not come back what is this happening and that is where even that famous episode which we played from swami's discourse where he says that lakshmana i can you know i'll never get a brother like you that is the lamentation of rama so as rama is lamenting all the vanara hordes millions and billions and the pushpas of what was it kamal forgot that padmas of them right padmas, <laughs> padmas. the huge number of all everybody is remorseful all are crying all are climbing the trees and rocks nearby looking out at the horizon whether hanuman is coming or not it's in this scenario that hanuman lands and as he arrives he is effulgent and the effulgent is not only from his joy it's also because of the sun that he is holding in his armpit and they see this effulgent being with the mountain coming towards him and there's exultation and there's joy and this tremendous applause you can imagine the kind of applause when billions and billions of monkeys applaud how it will be what a loud noise they must have created and it is to this kind of celebratory welcome that hanuman arrives onto the shores there and puts down this massive mountain telling sushena the physician there to pick up whatever herbs he wants and as we had narrated you know hanuman was right in his anticipation because it's not just one swami writes that lakshmana has administered four different medicinal plants the vishalya karni i think by the name it is something that nullifies poison right the sandhana karni that pacifies you the savarna karni and the sanjeeva karni sanjeeva is what gives you back life so there are four different herbs vishalya karni sandhana karni savarna karni and sanjeeva karni which sushena administers to lakshmana in order to revive him right and and swami also says that 
after uh, hanuman puts down this entire peak over there just that breeze from that uh, peak you know the breeze bringing the uh, you know the, the fragrance of all the herbs which is there it starts reviving those many monkeys which were dead in the battle uh-huh. so he says it's so powerful that it starts reviving some of them and they gain life and they are all uh, happy with it and uh, in fact i think uh, there is also a mention about uh, how when that peak was carried all the way from the himalayas you know to lanka the effects of it all through the path right I, absolutely this is i read it in some other it's i don't know if it is mentioned as such in the it's Ramakata. not as such mentioned in the ramakatha right but you know there was this research kind of uh, article that i read a researcher has written that it's interesting to note that all these ayurvedic herbs and medicinal plants wherever they they are found across india in a kind of a straight line belt right it's almost like as hanuman flew across from this mountain they were leaking and falling down and wherever they fell they have grown because all these medicinal plants apparently from the north to south of india appear in a belt which is a straight line so you know that's another thing that shows that this is not a mythology but this is actually a historical event right and eventually that uh, the medicine which sushena prepares from these four herbs administered to lakshmana and lakshmana finally you know opens his eye and and rama is so overjoyed he embraces him and you know even going back to that reaction of rama of course you know sami i think goes that extra mile to show that rama was not affected by emotions mm-hmm. even at this point where finally sami actually gives away a little bit of emotions to the rama in the story which sami has kind of avoided all through and that's that's again a telling fact you know when uh, only two times Swami actually portrays Hanuma, uh, Rama as somebody who is moved by emotions. The one time is when Sita is lost, and the other time, which is stronger, is when Lakshmana is, you know, fallen. Mm. It's not when Dashrata died, not when any other time when he was asked to the, go to the forest. Any time, Rama did not display this kind of emotion except for these two uh, times in this entire story. And uh, you know, many times when you look at even Swami, that's what we've learned. You know, we would see anger in Swami. We would see that Swami would be very disappointed with something. Mm. Those are not emotions which you would relate to Swami really. Mm. You know, that sometimes Swami will be so overjoyed. We've seen after a speech, somebody would give a speech, mm. even by technical terms, that might not have been such a great speech. But you would see the reaction in Swami's face. You know, so much of pride, so much of happiness. And as students, when you're sitting there, and probably as an audience, you clap your hands. you know that at some point you want that appreciation you want that kind of uh, you know reaction you want to do swami. something and you want that kind of reaction from swami i think that's what it is when when the avatar comes when he is beyond emotions he adorns emotions because if that emotion can inspire love and devotion in you why not of course it's not uh, it's not part of my nature i'm beyond all of this but if i can put this act and if that can inspire devotion in you why not i think that's what it is because these hundreds and thousands of monkeys who've seen that sight you know that that uh, that devotion which they had for rama would have really blossomed so they much they also must have felt that right. you know i should right. also do something right. for rama exactly and we don't know what what that uh, aspiration would have led in their future births you know seeing rama praise lakshmana like that how many monkeys would have felt you know i also want to get that praise from rama at some point in time we can definitely relate to that because so many times when swami has praised different elders different devotees we certainly felt 
in fact you know i remember there was a student whom swami had uh, given vibhuti and told him to deliver it to i think it was uh, shrimati sarla shah the wife of indulal shah right, right. and he had gone and delivered it and come back and swami then said compared him to hanuman you know swami said he is like hanuman and uh, like how uh, hanuman carried rama's message he carried my message i remember at that point in time i became so thrilled you know i wrote a letter i named that boy in the letter and said swami i also want to get devotion like him <laughs> but guess what swami never took that letter never okay. took that letter and later on you know i have seen that i am grateful that swami didn't take the letter because i feel each one of us is unique in our own way of devotion and swami will give us what we need and uh, today i i definitely don't feel that i need to be like that student because each student is unique and as i said i'm grateful to swami that he didn't take my letter that day see i got reminded of this because as you said it is only to inspire us that when swami narrated and praised that student that manner it definitely inspired me but swami also ensured that that doesn't mean you give up your individuality and it's not as if that this is the ultimate it's not like that all our arrows in the quiver just like you said there's nothing special about one arrow or the other but if praising one arrow is going to inspire the other arrows then i will do it right. so i really felt that at that point in time swami ensured that what had to be taken alone was taken by me which is the inspiration to serve him and be of use to him at the same time what need not have been taken because i took it swami ensured that he didn't take my letter you know i tried giving that letter and it's in a thrice session in a thrice session almost everybody is successful in giving handing over their letters to swami i never managed to give that letter so i'm grateful to swami for that but as you rightly said the praise or the scolding or the emotion that the lord shows is only to inspire greater love for god greater devotion in our hearts and that is why swami would do it that is why even rama did it uh, i am sure that is the reason why rama did it in crying for lakshmana and right. the way swami describes this you know especially when uh, lakshmana has revived swami says he was plunged in high delight comparable only to brahmic bliss Mm-hmm. describing about rama rama's reaction you know swami saying that he was so happy to see that and in fact uh, reminds me of what one of the elders was sharing mm-hmm. that in one of the interviews swami was telling them when swami was talking about one devotee who was very sick i think apparently had cancer or something mm-hmm. and uh, swami described that entire thing and swami said and i cured her of cancer and he said you should see the satisfaction on swami's face mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it was almost like I've accomplished one more task in the thing, and Swami was so happy to have done that for a devotee. And in fact, the way uh, Swami reacted, this devotee was saying that it was almost like Swami is waiting to do that for all, but not all deserve it. And finally, you know, when you find a devotee whom you want to do it, when the devotee deserves that grace from the Lord, and the Lord is able to do that. it gives so much joy to the lord more than anybody else more than the devotee who has received that grace and that's what swami is saying that rama was thrown into brahmic bliss when you know lakshmana was revived and that bliss came as a blessing for so many right he uh, i don't know if it's at this point but rama definitely embraces hanuman you know and apart from that he also blesses sushena right. this physician he tells him you don't worry for the services that you have done don't think that ramana is will be able to even harm one single hair on your head 
I will ensure that nothing happens. He also assures him of his protection in the sense that eventually when the when the Vanara hordes will overpower the entire city, Sushena, nothing will happen to your house. Your good deed will protect you. You know, that uh, this incident also is so inspiring because many times we feel, what is the use of me alone being good? Everyone around is bad. It doesn't help. It doesn't change the world at all. It might not change the world, but it will change my world. When Sushena did the good act, when Sushena did an act for Rama, it might have not have changed Lanka's fortunes, but it changed Sushena's world completely. Vibhishna is also a Rakshasa. When he decided to surrender at the feet of Rama, it's not as if because of him Lanka got changed. Lanka anyway got destroyed. But Vibhishna's world changed. See, that is what we have to realize. We are not in control of the world and we can't do anything about it. There is no use of feeling frustrated that I am doing good, nobody else is doing good. No use of that. But if I am sincere, this much we have to remember that if I am sincerely doing good, my goodness will take care of me. Dharmo Rakshati Rakshita. That is what Rama is showing over here. Because he is telling Sushena, you might be in the heart of Lanka. You might be Ravana's personal physician. But you don't worry, nothing will happen to you. Not only from my hordes, but also from Ravana. Ravana will also not be able to touch. Because what you have not done is not treason. What you have done is serving the Lord. Serving the Lord can never be treason. Even if uh, country laws say that it is treason. Ravana may say, as per Lankan laws, you are a a traitor. But God's laws are above Lanka's laws. Because God's power is beyond the power of a country, beyond the power of the universe. So that is the, that is the assurance Rama gives to Sushena and sends him back. And as a memento, Rama gives him that entire Sanjeevani Parvat. And it is believed that Adam's peak in Sri Lanka that is there today mm-hmm. is one there's one line of story one line of uh, thinking that says that this go this uh, sanjeevni parvat is that adam speak that is there okay. in because even adam speak apparently has kinds of plants and vegetation mm-hmm. which is not found on any of the other surrounding uh, okay. hills and peaks and this single peak stands out very tall compared mm-hmm. to all others so <laughs> that is uh, another explanation given for adam speak connecting it to the ramayana but anyway, Swami also writes that this Sanjeevani Parvat is sent by uh, Rama along with Sushena to Sushena. And so I think Sushena would have had a huge parting gift <laughs> when he lands back. Hanuman had brought him along with his home. When he puts him back along with the home, there's a huge mountain also. Right. And uh, probably we'll just take a quick break uh, at this point. And there's a interesting incident about Sushena himself. And... Uh, well, probably it's it's just a little tidbit. We'll we'll talk about that after this break.
ಶ್ರೀರಾಂಜನೇಯ ಅಂಜನಿ ಪುತ್ರ ವೀರಾಂಜನೇಯ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಡಿಯರ್ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ನೌ ಸುಶೀನಾ ಇಸ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಲಕ್ಷ್ಮಣ ಇಸ್ ರಿವೈವ್ ಡ್ರಾಮಾ ಇಸ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ದ ಹೋಲ್ ಕ್ಯಾಂಪ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಗಾಟ್ ರಿಜುವಿನೇಟೆಡ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಒನ್ ಇಸ್ ಥ್ರಿಲ್ಡ್ ಅಂಡ್ ನೌ ರೇರಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಗೋ ಅಟ್ ದ ರಾಕ್ಷಸಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ವಾಸ್ ಪಾಸಿಬಲಿ ದಿ ಓನ್ ಸೆಟ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ದಟ್ ದಿ ವಾನರ್ ಆಸ್ ಥಾಟ್ ದಟ್ ದೇವ್ ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಬಟ್ ಈವನ್ ದಟ್ ಸೆಟ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಸ್ಟರ್ನ್ಡ್ ಔಟ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಅ ಬ್ಲೆಸಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ಸೋ ಮೆನಿ ಪಾಸಿಬಲಿ ಸುಶೇನಾ ಹೂ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಫಿಸಿಷಿಯನ್ ಆನ್ ರಾವಣಾಸ್ ಕ್ಯಾಂಪ್ was destined to be blessed in this manner possibly the mountain dronagiri was to be blessed in this manner by being coming in touch with rama bharata needed to be conveyed the news so we see that even a setback for the lord is actually an opportunity to uh, settle so many accounts and give inspiration to so many so all this is done before we go ahead with the story of what happens in the battle the next day yeah uh, prem had a very interesting narrative that he heard from a senior teacher that i'm sure will thrill all of us as we listen to that little because even as you were talking about the scene of uh, rama praising lakshmana in 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 the guise of uh, despondency we were thinking that the others also would have felt so inspired by it you know i think obviously sushena would have felt so inspired by it you know, mm-hmm. because here he is talking about this individual who served him so much and to see this kind of love coming from rama anybody would have felt that who how i wish you know i could serve rama like this and be a recipient of this kind of affection to so definitely sushena himself must have felt that mm-hmm. and uh, the story goes uh, the, the narrative as we heard it uh, this particular lecturer uh, he runs this awareness course in in bindavan and we all have been uh, a part of that course so one of the questions that he generally asks his students in the exams is uh, share some particular incident which you had in swami's presence after you become a student or as a devotee of swami any incident or experience you would like to share oh in the final exam right, in the final exam this is just a question which probably you would give marks and i remember even when we were studying that this question used to be there 
just for the sake of sharing uh, some nice experience that you had with Swami. So apparently one of the students, an undergraduate student, had written this story. That uh, many times when he is sitting in front of Swami, he would, uh, you know, involuntarily get this idea in his mind. He would ask Swami, what is the mission for my life? Hmm. Say, what am I born for? You know, what, what have I come here for? It's a weird question to ask. You know, you might pray that Swami give me a chance to serve you. Or you might uh, pray that Swami, I, you should talk to me or whatever it is. Why would you sit in front of Swami and think, what is the mission for my life? You know, what have I been born for? Hmm. But this boy apparently used to get this thought. And one day he had this dream hmm. in which Swami came to his bedside and Swami held his hand and took him and Swami showed him a scene and apparently when he was seeing the scene he knew that uh, it was his own life from probably a different age. So he had this dream in which you know, he is lying on the bed mm-hmm. and suddenly there is a lot of uh, movement around him as though there is an earthquake okay. and everything is shaking around him and the whole house is shaking mm-hmm. and uh, he finally you know, jumps out of the cot and when he runs out he finds that here is this entire monkey army and in front of him is Rama standing there. Okay. And uh, then he realizes that he is actually that Sushena whom we were talking about. You know, that uh, Mm -hmm. royal physician of the Lankan uh, kingdom. Because the same scene as one night when he is sleeping, Hanuman goes and lifts the entire house. House. And I think that's the quake that he uh, uh, felt. And when he comes out, he finds this entire... Uh, monkey army, Hanuman, uh, Rama standing there, Hanuman standing next to him and Lakshmana fallen down and Rama requests him, will you be able to uh, revive my brother and this entire scene which we described over the past few weeks, he sees there, you know, he uh, te- he goes and um, diagnoses the problem which uh, Lakshmana is having he says that he needs these herbs you know, and Hanuman goes away and Hanuman comes back with the mountain and all of this pans out in front of him and at the end of it, Sushena goes to Rama and says, Rama, give me an opportunity to serve you. Hmm. He says, uh, I've had enough serving La- Ravana. Please give me an opportunity to serve you. Apparently, Rama explains to him that it is not right to take away another person's royal uh, physician. In a physician, especially in a state of crisis like this. You know, you are needed in uh, in your kingdom right now, so I can't take you away. But I'll give you an opportunity to serve me as a doctor in a uh, age which comes later. Mm. Okay? And this is the dream this boy has. And he wakes up. And he realizes that many, many years ago, probably when he was in school, one day he had got up and he, he had asked Swami, that Swami, what do I do after my studies? Mm. And Swami very clearly told him that you go do your BSc and after BSc, go and become a doctor. Mm. So apparently that boy is studying for his, uh, you know, uh, uh, MBBS right now. He's completed oh. his B.Sc. and he's studying for his MBBS. So we have... Hopes that he will come <laughs> back here. And right, you know, we, we hope that when uh, uh, Rama told that I'll give you in a future birth, it is this birth. It is this birth, right. <laughs> it should not be possibly serving as a doctor with Premis Right. And, and it's a validation of you know what we thought. Why did Rama you know, play out that drama of being uh, so desperate when Lakshman has swooned and when you when, when you were saying that it must have inspired that desire in others that we also would like to serve. Mm. I mean, I think it's it's clearly that's what it is. And so the next day, whether you know whether this inspiration for winning Rama's love came in all or not, as Swami writes in the Ramkatha Rasavani, every Vanara was charged up to fight. And you know now, like going through the 
statistics possibly we can go through because Swami writes that when the battle resumed, it was Dhum Raksha, the demon who was leading the Rakshasa forces, and when he came to fight, he first met his death at the hands of Hanuman. Right. Hanuman just slaughters him and kills him. And therefore, there is a kind of panic that sets into the Rakshasa camp and there is a void there. That void is immediately filled by Akampa. I think Akampa we had described previously also. And Akampa comes and fills that place. Anukampa stands for compassion. Akampa is one who is not compassionate. Mm. So, Akampa fills his place. But uh, Akampa is soon overpowered and killed by Angada. And when Angada kills him, there is a Prahasta, another demon who comes and fills the place of Akampa. And Prahasta is now fighting valorously, but he is killed by Neela. Neela is one of those twins right, who engineered, uh, architects and engineers of the bridge. Nala and Neela. So, Neela kills him. And when Neela kills Prahasta, Mahodara comes and replaces Prahasta. Now, Mahodara is once again killed by Hanuman. So, in the day after, you know, after sundown, I forgot to tell that, yeah, sun dawns actually because once <laughs> Lakshmana is treated before Hanuman goes over to Lanka, I think he lets the sun go out of his armpit so that the sun can, Surya can proceed along with his duties. So, the next day from sunrise to sunset, four army generals, four powerful generals of Ravana, they are killed by Hanuman, Angada and uh, Neela respectively. And so that day ends in decisive victory for Rama's forces. And then Swami writes that the next four to five days were many, many battle, little battles that went on. But the Rakshasa forces were led by the sons of Kumbhakarna, that is Kumbha and Nikumbha, against the forces of Rama. And uh, when that happens, at the end of the five days, even these two are killed. Kumbha and Nikumbha are killed. And Ravana is really distraught. All the Rakshasas are now completely sure that they are going to lose. They are in fact cursing Ravana. That in itself is a market change because nobody had the guts to even look up in the eye at Ravana. And now the same Rakshasas are now cursing Ravana. They are going to Mandodri but it looks like even Mandodri has given up because nothing seems to be helping. And it's in this kind of desperate situation that Ravana has been put in where almost six to seven of his able generals have been killed in the war and he is losing battles after battles and it's almost like the writing is clear on the war on the wall that he's going to lose the war very soon right and of course swami finishes five of these people in one paragraph but you can imagine uh, you know what tyrants these were because when you when he spoke about uh, the earlier part where uh, maricha and subha who were troubling the rishis these are definitely much, much more mightier than, uh, you know, demons like Maricha and Subahu because they are right in the camp of Ravana. They are the, you know, generals and some of the main warriors in uh, the army of Ravana. And that's why Ravana is so very disturbed because one after the other, like, you know, nobody's business, these people are being massacred. And the dying of Kumba and Nikumba is again a very, very significant part because they are the sons of his younger brother. And as we know, Kumbhakarna is lost in his six-month-long slumber. And it's almost like you have started a battle and you have sacrificed the sons of your brother who are probably under your care. Hmm. And uh, I think that is why uh, the alarm bells are again, once again, 
ringing in the Ravana camp and Ravana now goes to Kumbhakarna for help because it's almost like the last recourse that he has before he jumps into the fray. Uh, you know, even as he's going, thinking and debating about should we wake Kumbhakarna or not because uh, Kumbhakarna has got a boon. We will come to that uh, later. But even as he's contemplating this, there's another general. His name is, I think, Makara Raksha. Mm-hmm. Makara Raksha is supposed to be another brave fighter and a super, uh, you know, killer among the generals of Ravana. He is also killed, this time by Lakshmana in battle. This is like another body blow for uh, Ravana because on one hand it not only shows how weak he has become, it also shows that Lakshmana who had, you know, that is one victory that Ravana thought that possibly he has attained, you know, making Lakshmana unconscious. And Lakshmana seems to be back in the complete spirit because he is the one who has killed Makar Raksha. That's very demoralizing for him. And that is why though uh, it is not advisable to wake Kumbhakarna. You know, Kumbhakarna has a blessing that he'll sleep for six months, he'll be active for six months. And if his sleep of six months is disturbed at any point in time, it's a danger to his own life. That is the uh, conditions with which Kumbhakarna arrives. And uh, this is in the middle of the six months. But Ravana feels that no, it's of no use. It's no use if I wait because at the end of six months there may be nothing to fight for. I will take an underprepared and vulnerable Kumbhakarna over a Kumbhakarna who is of no use to me because if everything is gone, what will happen? Though Swami doesn't write as such or Ravana never mentions like this, it's evident from the act that he that he is worried about him losing finally. All those false images that uh, the psychophants around him had built, saying that nothing can happen to you, you are the greatest, you are the most strong and all that, all that has disappeared and evaporated for Ravana, it's evident because he is ready to take the risk. If if he was so sure that nothing can actually touch him, why did he have to wake, decide to wake Kumbhakarna before the scheduled six months? So, it's evident that Ravana is seeing the writing on the wall also now and he decides to go and wake up his brother Kumbhakarna in spite of knowing that this will bode bad for Kumbhakarna, this might be a danger to his own life, in spite of that he decides to go ahead and wake up Kumbhakarna now Rahmana might decide that he wants to wake up Kumbhakarna, but waking up Kumbhakarna is no mean task Right, and at least in our narrative it's going to take two more weeks (laughs) before Kumbhakarna wakes up because we'll have to come to that only in the next uh, episode of the Ramakatha Raswaini which will be after the fortnight which follows. So dear listeners thank you for being with us. Next week we'll resume our uh, our discussion on the Navaveda Bhakti we'll be going to the next one. Archanam. Right, Archanam is what uh, we're at. That will be in the next week, the next couple of weeks going by the trend we've taken two weeks to discuss each of the parts so we might probably do that for the next two weeks. At the end of it we'll come to the Ramakatha Raswaini again. In the meanwhile, if you have any thoughts to share about this satsang or the other ones, you can always write to us, write to us at listener at radiosite.org. It's always a pleasure to know what you think about our program. As always, you can write to us. We'll be eagerly waiting for your feedback. With that, we offer ourselves at Swami's Lotus Feet. We offer our salutations to Hanuman, thanking him for his presence. It is so inspiring. We conclude this satsang with a bhajan, on the other side of which will be the program Love to Love. 
राम राम जय राजा राम राम जय सीतारा जय राजा राम 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 जय सीताराम राम जय राजा राम 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 जय सीतारा
भजमन सदा श्रीरा सदा 